Welcome to the NECF Podcast, where we share our weekly sermons and faithfully interpret the Bible to encourage and direct you on your spiritual path. We're our devoted pastors and special guests delve into the depths of the Bible, exploring its profound lessons and useful applications for your daily life. Being spiritual is a matter of from within. Okay? So being spiritual is from within. Join us as we explore the timeless truth that have the power to change people's hearts and minds, promoting a closer relationship with God and a firm belief in His promises. Now, when I was trying to craft out the title of this teaching, I was a little bit here and there trying to sense within my spirit, what is the best title to give it? Actually, the teaching started as life is spiritual. How many of us have heard that before, that life is spiritual? A lot of us have heard about it, right? So some people just walk up and say, your life is spiritual. And the moment they say that to you, the general assumption is that you begin to think of something in the unseen realm. Is that not it? Right? So your mind quickly goes to the unseen realm, unseen world. In fact, some of you, when they say life is spiritual, you run into the place of prayer and start praying because you want to influence the unseen world. Is that not it? Hallelujah. Sometimes some people also walk up to you and they say, you know, uh, if you want to make progress in your life, you need to first of all do what? Make progress in your spiritual life, right? We've heard that before. These things are not new, but I'm, I'm trying to build a core foundation of what spiritual means today. That is what we want to do. We want to build what is the core foundation of what we call spirituals. So someone said, if you can make progress in your, in your spiritual life, progress in every other area is inevitable, right? Physically, uh, in every other area. Some people say, the spiritual controls words. The physical, oh, yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Today we are going to see a very great light on on what this really means and how should we see this when somebody said you're spiritual or that the spiritual controls the physical how does that interpret into your ear the right way by which it should come into your ear is what we want to understand today so some people say it doesn't matter how progress you make in that area spiritual is important uh there's another one that says the spiritual life or the absence of the absence of it determines what you manifest the spiritual part is the core, right? The spiritual part is the core. So some people say also human life is controlled from the realm of the spirit. Questions of men are answered only when there's an understanding of the spiritual. And I think this is the one that I'm going to hold on to very well. That questions of men can only be understood and answered only when you understand the spiritual. So it means that when I understand what spiritual means... I'm able to have many answers to many questions in my life. All right, so the other areas, it is taught as there were things to be done, like life is spiritual. So some people teach what are spiritual as activities that needs to be engaged. So when they tell you life is spiritual, they expect you to begin to pray. For example, just like I said, they expect you to be conscious 
of the atmosphere, you know, just to be conscious of the atmosphere, be sensitive to the things of the spirit. So today we're going to take a list of things that the Bible calls spirituals, or how the scripture use the word spirituals. Uh, thanks to our educational pastor, from the teaching concerning spirituals, we already had a foundation of that. So I'm just going to build on that and add some things to that. So, first of all, why do I want to reiterate the definition of spirituals? I'm doing that because there is an excessive emphasis on the unseen realm. So, I'm trying to explain spirituals again and reintroducing us to what a spiritual, because when people say it, there is a quick emphasis on the unseen realm. And it means that if there's an emphasis there, you are going to undermine the benefits of every other thing that the scripture express as spirituals. So I say it again. Because of the excessive emphasis on the unseen realm, which is also correct, right? The word heaven sometimes uses as spiritual realms, right? The emphasis makes us to undermine the blessings of what the scriptures call spirituals in other contexts. So today we need to really know what this is saying. First Corinthians chapter 3 verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 1. If media team would help me. We want to redefine spirituals and see. It says, and I brethren could not speak to you as to spiritual people. But as to canal as babes in Christ. So, I cannot speak, I, Paul, Paul is writing to the church in Corinthians and is saying that I cannot speak to you as words, spiritual people, but I'm going to speak to you as words, carnal people. Now, now Paul is not saying that the Corinthians are carnal, no, he was writing to a church. And we say that as he is writing to a church, it means that they are believers, right? Do we agree on that? So, Paul is saying that in my manner of writing in this paragraphs that I'm going to write, I'm not going to talk to you like people who understand spiritual things. So it means that spiritual in this context is an identity. So you write it. The spiritual is an identity of a people. Spiritual is an identity of a people. So Paul is saying that uh, since because of your conduct, I'm going to address you as someone who does not understand the spiritual things. And I have to begin to, how do you address someone who does not understand spiritual things? You begin to teach them like a baby, right? You begin to teach them like a baby. Try to use figures. Try to use expressions. Try to tell them, do you know this? Ask questions and begin to teach them. So he's saying that I'm going to address them. So we identify here that spiritual means an identity. First Corinthians, same First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. We're just going to bring out all and areas. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. So now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things. That have been freely given to us by who? By God. Right? So because we have received the spirit of God, right? We might know those things that has been freely given to us by who? God. So this is, this is the pattern. God, 
gave us a spirit, right? And he gave us freely. So it means that all that is found in the spirit of God is also referred to as what? Spirituals. Do we get it? So God gave us a spirit, right? And we see that things that are freely given to us by God means that things that are freely given to us by the spirit of God. So it means that whatever we have in God's spirit can also be referred to as what? Spirituals. So spiritual here pertains to things that are given by the spirit of God. Things that are given by the spirit of God. So we're building up from identity, things given by the Spirit. Romans 1 verse 11. Romans chapter 1 verse 11. So for, as lo- for I long to see you that I might impact to you some spiritual gifts so that you may be what? Established. You may be established. So what is spiritual here? A gift. Spiritual is referred to in this context as a gift. And when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 12 verse 4, I mean I'm going to start from verse 5. It says, now concerning spirituals, I remove the word gift, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray by mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking of the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are gifts, there are varieties of gifts, but of the same Spirit. So it means that the gifts that are freely given to us in God that we find in the Spirit are also referred to as what? Spirituals. Good. Now let's look at this very unique one. Romans chapter 7 verse 14. Romans Chapter 7, verse 14. So, for we know that the law is what? Is spiritual. But I am carnal, sold on the sin. The law is what? Spiritual. And I am carnal. So, that's what this Paul talking. Now, I'm just going to read it a couple of places. It said, did, did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means, I'm reading from verse 13. It was sin producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandments might become sinful beyond measures. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. So what Paul is saying here is that the law, okay? The law, which is the law given to the Israelites, the law, what we call, sometimes called, referred to the Old Testament, has a spiritual impact in the life of a believer. Or I can say, just like it says, the law is spiritual. So it simply means that if I'm reading the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament text, I need to pay attention much more because that text contains some spiritual understanding also for the believer today. So I say it again. The Old Testament text, when I'm reading it, I need to pay more attention to understand what it means 
for the believer today because the law is what? Spiritual. It said that which is ordained unto life. That is what Paul called the law. He said the law is ordained unto life. is expected to bring life. But I, I, Paul did not say the law in the law is death. Paul said I found it to bring death. It means that the perspective that a man has towards the law can make it produce death. The perspective a man has towards the reading of the scriptures can bring death. That is why the scripture says that say, until today, when the law is, read, is being read, the veil has not been taken off their face because the perspective to the law is that it brings death. Until you are able to understand the spiritual implication of the law, what the Old Testament text, it is impossible for you to receive life from it. Hallelujah. So we see that in that context. So the law is spiritual. Now, Romans 15, verse 20, I think 28. So I'm going to read from verse, verse 24. It said, I hope to see you, Romans 15 from verse 24. It said, I hope to see you in person as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. 25. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem bringing eight of the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contributions for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For it is the Gentiles, pay attention now. For it is the Gentiles, but sorry, he said, for if the Gentiles have come to share in spiritual blessings, they ought also... To, to be of service to them in material blessings. So I'm saying it again. It says, for if the Gentiles have come to share in spiritual blessings, they ought to be of service to them in material things. Now, this verse, this is the interpretation of the verse. The Gentiles are people who are not in the commonwealth of Israel. Are we together? So they are not in the common world of Israel. They don't have a direct bloodline with Abraham, right? So they go, okay, they're not in the common world of Israel. Now, they enjoyed spiritual blessings. I'm going to explain what the spiritual blessing is, right? They enjoy a particular spiritual blessings, right, from the people in Jerusalem, right? So they enjoy the spiritual blessing from the Jewish people, more or less. That's what we call it. And as a result of that spiritual blessing, Paul is saying that, because you benefit from a spiritual blessing, it should have an impact in the way you live that you can support the ministry. That is what Paul is saying. That because you enjoy a particular spiritual blessing, right, you can, it has an impact on your life that you can support a ministry. So it means that whatever is spiritual have a physical impact. You can write it down. That whatever is spiritual has a physical impact in a life. Whatever is spiritual have, has a physical impact. So the impact of receiving spiritual blessings can be seen in the natural, in the physical. So people who say that, oh, 
I'm spiritual, I believe God, but is in my heart and it stays there, they are saying what is wrong. Because the impact of what happens in a man's heart can be seen in the physical, in the way you conduct yourself. And those are the areas I want us to explore today. Romans 2, verse 26 to 29. So we have been able to see that spirituals can be called identity, right? Spirituals can be things pertaining to the spirit, the gifts. The gifts are also spiritual. The impact also of spirituals can also be seen. Hallelujah. All right, Romans chapter 2, verse 26 to 29. Can I have that on screen? If those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirements, would they not be regarded as though they were circumcised? The one who is not circumcised physically yet obeys the law will condemn you who, even though you have written, you have the written code and the circumcision, are a lawbreaker. A man is not a Jew. If he, on, if he is only one outward, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a man is a Jew if he is one inwardly. And circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not by the reading code. Such a man's praise is not from men, but from who? From God. Now, Paul is teaching here, saying that you who claim to be Jews right, are expressing the fact that you are spiritual, right, uh, because you keep the written law, but yet your heart is not, from, is not with God. But those who from their hearts, they express the things of the Spirit are actually the real Jews. Now, this is really, you know, I don't, I don't know how any Jew will feel with this, you know, saying that the definition of a real Jew would mean someone who, has, who is actually having faith in God. It's the same thing. This is similar to when it says, truly you call yourself children and descendants of Abraham, but you don't even know what the scripture says because the scriptures reveals me. Do we get it? So in this context, we see that we are people who from the spirits, I mean, I don't think there's anyone seated here that is a Jew or from Israel, but we can say that we are Jew, right, because from within our spirit, we have believed the gospel and we believe God. Hallelujah. So the spiritual blessings of the Jews to the Gentiles is the gospel. Hallelujah. So you can write that down. That the Gentiles benefited from the Jews because the Jews did what? They shared the gospel with them. They shared God's plan with them. They shared words, the message of God with them. And if you, if you read Romans, I think Romans chapter 9, uh, I can't be sure, but it says that it said they were the ones, they were the custodians of the oracles of God. That the Jews are what? The custodians of the oracles of God. So the Gentiles enjoy the sharing of the message of Christ because the Jews received it. And the pass it on to them. Ephesians chapter 1. So let's see where we're falling. Ephesians chapter 1. As a Paul, an apostle of Christ by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace 
to you from our God and our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenlies with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us before the foundation, right, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ in accordance to his pleasure and his will. Can we stop here? The spiritual blessing in Ephesians, right, in this context of Ephesians, the spiritual blessing is very obvious. Just I've explained in the context of the Jews. Now Ephesians gives us the explanation of what spiritual blessings are. So, from verse 4, it says, Even as he has chosen us before the foundation of the world, uh, that we may be holy and blameless before him. Verse 5 now explains much more. That he predestined us, almost the same thing, for adoptions as son through Jesus, according to the purpose of his will. So what is the spiritual blessing here? The spiritual blessing is God choosing us, choosing us to be found in him. Hallelujah. So, the first thing that we can say is spiritual. The first foundation of spiritual. The first core factor of spiritual is the fact that God chose us to be found in him. Now, the word before the foundation of the earth uh, does not really express that some activities were taking place in before the world began, right? So, the, 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 the word before the foundation of it, so we want to know what time did God choose us, right? So, you see that here and you're wondering, why, what, I mean, what time did God choose us to be found in him? The word, the, the word used here is before the foundation of the world, uh, but it does not really mean that before the foundation of the world, God and the angels, you know, sometimes we have this misconception that God and the angels sat down and they decided and God said, okay, angels and the host of heaven, Let's come together and let's make man. That's not it. Okay, that's not exactly what it means by before the foundation of the world. Let's answer a question. Who existed before the foundation of the world and what existed before the foundation of the world? So Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 to 4. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 to 4. Or who founded the world? Let's start with who founded the world. Therefore, holy brothers... Who share in the heavenly calling? Fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and he, the apostle and the high priest with whom we confess. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. Verse 4. For every house is built by someone, but the builder, right? But God is what? The builder of what? Everything. Do we get it? It said God is the builder of what? God is the builder of what? Everything. Hebrews 11 verse 10. Hebrews 11. So here we are saying, we want to just quickly clarify before the foundation of the world what it really means. So we said God is the builder of what? Everything. It's so for Abraham, this is what's talking about Abraham. For Abraham was looking forward to a city whose foundations, whose architect, and the builder is God. So the foundation 
and the architect, right? The foundation, whose architect and the builder is God. So talking about God here, being the builder, being the founder. So if we bring the two scriptures together, one says God is the builder of all things. And we see that Abraham is looking forward to a city that God himself is the builder. It means that we can say that at the beginning of the creation, before the world began, the only person that existed is God. Can we say that? So before the foundation of the world, before everything began, the only being that existed is God. Because in the definition of the foundations in two scriptures, we have seen that when foundation of the earth has been talked about, only God can be found in that time. Hallelujah. So if you want to see that, also you can see John chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. If they can give us also John chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. It was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So including the angels and the host of heaven, what is in the unseen realm and what is in the seen realm, all was made by God. Hallelujah. So what is the implication of this in the, in the explanation of Ephesians chapter 1? It means that before the foundations of the world, like when God was solely existing in the universe, he did what in his pleasure and his will, he chose that we will be found in him. So God's plan and pleasure and will, according to Ephesians, if you read Ephesians 5, it says that he predestined us to be son through Jesus according to the purpose of his will. That purpose of his will had been before time began. That we will be what? We'll be found in him. That is the first spiritual blessing. In fact, that is the implication that made us to be spirituals. Do we get it? So we are spiritual because God, before end, chose us to be found in his image. To be found in him. To do his will and according to his pleasures. So we can say that God founded the earth and created the heavens and the earth. Before Genesis, only God existed and has chosen man to live in his own image. The first blessedness is therefore this being chosen. Hallelujah. Now let's go to John chapter, I think John chapter 4. John chapter 4 verse 24. John chapter 4 verse 24. John chapter 4 verse 24. I'm just trying to establish what are spiritual and why are we spiritual. John chapter 4 verse 24, okay. Media team is busy. I'll just go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. I'll come back to John. Please don't take it away. Just leave it there. Don't go to Genesis with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Hallelujah. Now the spirit of God is there to explain God. That is God himself. We can say... And God was hovering over the face of the water. 
We can also say, and spirit was hovering over the face of the waters. But that was clarified to say, okay, this is God's spirit hovering over the face of the waters. Now, when you now read John chapter 2, verse 24, it said, God is spirit, and the worshippers must worship him in spirit and in truth. So, when God, who is spirit, at the beginning, chose us to be found in his image, means that we will be spirit as well. We will carry his spirit in us. Genesis, still Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 20. 26 and 27. So it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image and after our own likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish and the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So God made man in his own image, and in his image he created he them, male and female, he created he them. Now, in this part, is actually... Now, explaining much more to us the plan and the desire of God that was before the creation. That God had us in mind that we will be found in the image of. So, I said, when we're reading, we said that God is spirit, right? And we saw the spirit in the beginning, right? And now, he said he's going to create us in his image. So, we'll be found in God's spirit. Hallelujah. Now, this part is actually referring or pointing to the fact that we will be born again. We will be born from above. Hallelujah. So, to be found in God's image, to be created in God's image, according to this Genesis, is actually saying that man would carry God in him. Man will be found in the image of God, which is spirit. So, this is the foundation by which we become spiritual. And I said the first spiritual blessing is what? Is to become born again. So let's go to the next things and what this implication means. Now, 1 Corinthians 9 verse 1 to 11, please. Now that we've been able to clarify that we are spiritual, we need to see what is the implication of being spiritual. Like what is the implication of being spiritual? What is the implication of being having a spiritual blessing of being found in God. What, what does it mean for me as a person? And I'd like to stay, first of all, I mean, before I go into First Corinthians, please just leave this a little bit on the screen, that the first part or the first aspect of life is actually the spiritual aspect before the physical. Hallelujah. The first aspect of life is actually the spiritual before the, phys the physical. There's a reason why I'm saying that. Because so that when you leave, you will leave from the inside out. Hallelujah. We live from what? The inside out, from the spiritual realm. Now, he said, I, so I'm going to read the scripture now. He said, I'm, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my walk in the Lord? Next scriptures. Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am an apostle to you, for you are the seed of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who sit in judgment on me. Don't we have the right to food and drink? Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as do the other apostles and the apostles and the Lord's brother and Cephas? 
Or is it not only I and Barnabas who must walk for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of the grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk? Do I say this merely from a human point of view? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. Is it not about, is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us. Doesn't he? Yes, this is written for us because when the plowman plows and the treasure treasures, they ought to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, it is, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? Just the under scripture. So Paul is trying to defend his apostleship and saying that if I have ministered to you spiritual gifts and you are spirituals and I've preached the gospel to you, is it not enough to receive a support from you? Now, what Paul is saying here, my emphasis is not a support to receive, right? But the emphasis here is Paul is saying that the life, the gospel that you have received, the spiritual impactation that you have received, right, should make you be able to contribute to the ministry. It's the same uh, scriptures as Romans 15, 23 to 28. So Romans 15, 20 to 28 and 1 Corinthians 9, verse 1 to 11 explains that whatever spiritual blessings you have received, has a physical impartation in your life. So blessings, spiritual blessings, should be reflected not only in natural things. Oh, sorry. Not only in spiritual things, but also in physical matters. And I'm coming there. Not only in natural things, but also in what? In physical matters. There's a whole lot of scriptures. You can just put this scripture down. 1 Corinthians 15. From verse 1 to 20. Put it in brackets. Put it in brackets. There's a reason why I'm saying that. Now, this is the only scripture in the whole entire Bible that explains that the spiritual, that explains that the physical comes before the spiritual. Did you get what I'm saying? I'm teaching something. That the spiritual, I've said that the spiritual comes before the physical. But these scriptures tend to insinuate that the physical comes before the spiritual. So put it in brackets. I hope that the next time I'm going to do a teaching, I'm going to spend more time on that. So I'm going to move to something. Genesis chapter 1. Back to Genesis chapter 1. Back to Genesis chapter 1. From verse 27 again. So God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created he, him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the earth, and over every living thing that moves on the surface of the earth. Now, it is very quick for us, are we together, to interpret. Can you bring that scripture back, please? I need that scripture back. Verse 28. To say that God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the earth. It's very easy to quickly conclude 
and say that what God wants us to do here is to give birth to children and fill the earth with children. Hallelujah. But we will be wrong if we interpret this part as that. This is the only part I'm going to explain. I have a lot, but I'm just going to stay on this one. And if this is where we stay today, it's fine. So it would be wrong to say that when God say, go forth and multiply and be fruitful, we are actually talking about procreation. That is actually not exactly what God is saying. Hallelujah. So, since we all established that the spiritual comes before the physical, it simply means that if we look at the scripture, it said God created men in his own image and likeness. Therefore, we can say that the following verse that says go forth and multiply would mean that go and produce men in my image and likeness. Do we get it? I'm going to show us just two scriptures and how this was fulfilled in the scripture. So because God had already created men in his own image, we cannot say that this directly means that what? We should go forth and multiply and give birth. Otherwise, we can say that someone who is not found in the image of God is fulfilling the will of God. Right? We can say that this scripture is also being fulfilled by an unbeliever. But not so. Not so. Not so. God's plan for multiplication and for fruitfulness had been at all times and has been across the scriptures. So let's go to Genesis chapter 17 from verse 1 to 6. Genesis chapter 17 from verse 1 to 6. It said that Abraham was 99 years old, and the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you, and you will multiply, and will multiply you exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be Abraham, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. And I will make you exceedingly fruitful. And I will make nations of you. And kings shall come from you. This is the reiteration of Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 to 27. The word fruitful and multiply and exceedingly great. The same covenant that I will make man in my own image, that same covenant was brought and given to Abraham. Why? Because Adam, of whom God expects to fulfill this, missed it. So, Adam actually missed this. And how did he miss it? He missed it because when God gave an instruction... He did what? He disbelieved and disobeyed the instruction. So, when Adam began to give birth, he gave birth to children according to his own what? His own image. That is set. Do we get it? 
So, God needed another man that will carry this multiplication and fruitfulness. And God called what? Abraham. And he found it and he renewed it. He said, my covenant is now with you. Do we get it? That is actually what is happening here in Genesis. And that is how we see it in Abraham. So, my question is, how many children did Abraham give birth to? How many? Is it up to 100 to start with? No. Right? His immediate children are not in what multiplication means. It's not in this quantity. Right? So if you have about 8 to 10 children, I mean, we have people who do that. So it means that, you know, it's not, it's not a multiplication. It's that's still an addition. So it means that what God wanted to do in Abraham was more than giving birth to physical children. Hallelujah. Did you get it? The spiritual first. If I use the physical to explain this, Africa is fulfilling the will of God. Do you know? And China is doing well. And India. But when we come to understand things from the spiritual perspective, first, it helps us to have a clear view. So, it means that the fruitfulness that multiply is that God will have many people in his image. Hallelujah. I'm trying to see so that we can be able to land well and stay on this note. So it means that for me as a believer, right, what is the implication of this? It means that for me as a believer, right, when I think about fruitfulness and multiplication, what should come to my mind first is that I want to preach the gospel to as many as possible that will be found in the image of God. So your first fruitfulness and multiplication is found in how much that you can preach to make people to be found in the image of God. So when you're thinking of multiplication, you want to multiply yourself, right? It means that you would find, you would, you would preach to people and by the virtue of your preaching, they will believe and they will receive what? The spirit of God. And, and Jethro, the priest of the Midianites, and he was talking to Moses and he said, put upon a number of men the same spirit that is what? That is in you. That is multiplication. What Moses did there was multiplication. That they might be able to judge Israel from morning to night. And that Israel, that Moses might not be worn out. So the first thing, the first context of multiplication and fruitfulness in your life is that you are able to put the same spirit that is in you in them. And that is the spirit of God. That is what's? The spirit of God. So we've seen the plan of God from Genesis. We've seen it passed on to Abraham. Right? Let's check Hebrews. 
Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2 from verse, verse 10. It says, For it was fitting for him, for whom all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect, through suffering. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. For which reason is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. And again, he said, I will put my trust in him. And again, here I am, and the children whom God has given me. He's talking about who? Jesus. He's saying Jesus brought many sons to glory. Hallelujah. That is the fulfillment of Genesis chapter 26 verse, uh, Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 and 27. The same thing Genesis 17, 1 to 6. That Jesus will do what? Will bring many sons to glory. And he's saying, I and the children, whom what? Whom, the God, whom God has given me. So the fulfillment of the multiplication and fruitfulness is found in Jesus and is found in you because you have believed Christ. You are part of those children that Christ has brought into glory. Do we get it? We are part of what? Those children that Christ has what? Has brought into glory. And that's why we have John chapter 1 verse 12. Many children, many sons, multiplication, fruitfulness. It says, in him was life, Genesis chapter 1 verse 12. Verse 12. Sorry, John chapter 1 verse 12. Same John chapter 1 verse 12, not Genesis. Just go to verse 12, sorry. All right, John chapter 1 verse 12 says, But to all who did receive him, and believe in his name, he gave the right to become what? The children of God, whom were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of what? Of God. So it tells us again that the multiplication and the fruitfulness that God desire is not by procreation alone. In fact, that is not the primary because we have to bring the spiritual force, right? It means that he's bringing many sons to Christ. He's bringing what? Many sons to Christ. So, I'm just going to read a few things from here. It says, as a believer, if you're planning, right, your plan is to have children. Your plan is to have daughters and sons. Your plan is to get married. Your plan is to settle. You have five or six. It means that your first assignment, the first question you should ask yourself, can I bring them into Christ? Did you get that? The first question you should ask yourself is, the spiritual implication, I know some people are looking at some people that you know, already know the amount of children they want to give birth to. 
So the question goes to you that, can I bring all my children, if I have 20, can I be sure that that 20 will come into Christ? You see, that is a very critical question. Because if you miss it, it's going to be a challenge. So your first planning and setting up of your home and planning with your fiancé, your spouse, is to say in our fruitfulness and multiplication, are we able to bring the number that we say we want to procreate into supernatural procreation? The reason is because that is the will and the pleasure of God. That is really what God wants to do on earth. That men will be filled with the image of God. So I was, I was working one day and, and someone called me and asked me a question. It was, it was, we were actually doing evangelism and I was going for pastor's meeting and he just stopped me and he said, why do you think evil happened around the world? It's JW. And ask me, why, why, why do I think evil happened around the world? And I look at him. And I said, look at the world. And look at the people that are in the world. Of whose image are they? Of the image they possess, they will manifest. So if you have people who are not born in the image of God, you don't have any expectation. You shouldn't have any expectation that any good thing will be produced of them. So I said, you look at them and you are having expectation of good. How can? I said, that is why in your teaching as you are going about, let it be known that men must be found in the image of God. You should preach Jesus. His death, his resurrection, his glorification. The eternal life that Christ gave. He collected my number, but he didn't call me. I was hoping we could take the conversation further. But, <laughs> hallelujah. Now, let me now draw it a little bit back. And talk to the youth in the house. For those of you... Because this is, this is actually part of my teaching. For those of you that engage in sexual immorality, the question I want to ask, in fornication, the question I want to ask is, is this the same thing that you want to produce? So when you go and you hold someone and you conduct yourself in fornication, do you really think, like, do you, do you take a step back to think and say, is that child unto God? Like, is the child that you want to bring forth, is it unto the, is it that you want to create one that you will now preach to him? You know, this should just give you a caution. Did you get the point? This is just to help you think that when your body is doing you and you are looking around and you should ask yourself, this child that wants to come now, you are, not, you are not with any lady. You are just asking yourself, this child that wants to come now, can I preach to him? 
if I preach to him, will he believe that a father that has brought him out of the order of God, will you hear that father? Have you ever asked that question? That don't you think it will be more difficult for you to preach to a child that you give birth to out of the order of God for that child to believe the things of God? To be difficult. To be tough. Because when the child is born, as time goes on, it will understand the system. It will understand what you did. It will understand how it came about. The society very well, they give it a name. And you now want to preach God to him. He will ask you, where was God when you were doing that thing? It will be very difficult. It takes the grace of God. But the joy is that even fruits that are produced out of that, they can be found in the image of God. So I came from a place of instruction and warning. And I moved to the place of hope. That even if a person is here found from that, because you have believed, you have what? You have been found in the image of God. You are in God. You carry God. God has a plan and a pleasure for you. The only thing is we ask, do you want to repeat the same thing? No. No, not at all. So when we talk about multiplication, God's plan and his pleasure and his will should ring in your head. So therefore, we can conclude that the idea and the concept and the understanding of births is not first physical, but spiritual. The understanding of giving birth is not first physical, it is spiritual. Because the first person who conceived was God. That he will conceive man to be found in his image. That is why you see Christ is bringing many sons to glory. So the first idea of birth is God. Same will be found in you. Then the picture of what we see of the family of the relationship between the husband and the wife is only a picture of it. You can read Ephesians chapter 5, talks about the relationship, and you can see that there. Now, lastly, I'll just drop this. That is why it's also, I'll give you this last key. It will be very, very useful for you for evangelism. It will be very, very useful for you for evangelism. That is why when somebody comes to meet you and tells you that how can God give birth? You know, sometimes you go for evangelism and you meet people and you say, Jesus is the son of God. I said, how can God give birth? You know, a divine spirit, how do they give birth? It's because they are coming from the physical to explain the spiritual. So you have to drag them and say, come, oh, sorry, you missed it. The order by which you want to explain God is from the physical and you cannot understand God like that. So you take the person to Genesis and explain that God is the first person that actually gave it. In fact, he, he brought, he invented, let me say, to use the word invent, he brought the idea of conception to bring people to be found in his own image. It's literally not procreation by procreation, but producing yourself again. So I said, how, how, can, how, can, how can God give birth? Say no. God is found in man's image as in humanity. That is what we called God as, uh, that is what we call Christ as the son of God. Do we get it? So when God chose to take this body so that by his suffering, he can make us perfect. 
That is what they call the son of God. Because it's the word monogenes, right? It's the word monogenes. It means God in a unique form. God that has taken up man, that he might save man. Take up this body. So you tell the person, no, we are not saying that God by procreation, that is the one you understand. That is a reproduction, there is a given birth that is by the spirit of God that happens to us. And that one that we call Christ being the son of God is because he came to share in our humanity. That he might share in this. So that is God in human form. The presence of God. Hallelujah. So in everything, I'm, I still have a lot of things, you know, subsequently we'll talk about it. In marriage, how this impacts marriage, God's order, unity, and everything in Christ. But we'll stop here for today. But the counsel is that when you want to make any decision, let it be first. What is the spiritual aspect of this? What is the spiritual? What is the divine plan of God regarding this? If you cannot understand things from the spiritual, you would miss it in every area. So when the cell life is spiritual, this is what it means first. Before you talk about the unseen realm, it's as practical as saying, I am found in the image of God. And I will reproduce according to the image of God. Can we give thanks and say thank you, Jesus? Can you give thanks? Say, Lord, I receive grace and strength to be fruitful and multiply the image of God that is in me. Say, Lord, I, I am fruitful. I am multiplying by preaching the gospel. I am fruitful and multiplying by bringing many sons into the image of Christ. That the preaching of the gospel, the forgiveness of sin and repentance, and that eternal life might be given to as many as I preach unto. In the name of Jesus. Father, we give you the praise. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Thank you for listening to our sermon today. We hope you were blessed by this teaching. If you want to learn more about our church, please visit our website or follow us on social media. We would love to connect with you and hear your feedback. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast channel and share it with your friends and family. You never know who might need a word of encouragement.